You're listening to Between Two Consultants, Logic 2020's original business and technology podcast. I'm Nick Kelly. And I'm Ethan Silvers. We're two consultants who talk to super smart people about the latest trends in technology and business. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Between Two Consultants. I'm Nicholas Kelly. And I'm Ethan Silvers. And today we're talking about the top five considerations for architecture redesign. And we have a familiar face with us again. We've got Ilya to talk about what that is and what are those top five tips. So Ilya, I might just quickly ask you for those folks uh, very unusually who hadn't seen your previous episode, if you could just do a, a very brief uh, 10 hour introduction, please. 10 hours. Perfect. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, my name is Ilya Tsapin. I work for Logic 2020 for the past six years, and I lead the architecture practice at the company. It was a quite a great journey, and I was involved in so many interesting projects. And one of the reasons that uh, Ethan and Nicholas asked me to come to this uh, interview is to talk about how you would redesign your applications. What are the top things to consider for that? And this is a kind of bread and butter of my practice. So thank you for having me. That's a good point. I guess we're here to talk about that. So top five considerations. Ilya, go ahead. Start the countdown. OK. Number so one. Very common. We have a situation when the client is coming to us and say, well, hey, guys, we have been planning to re-architect our application for two years already. And we're still not sure how to tackle this. Could you please help us? And for me, this is a kind of a red flag. Why? Because uh, the at some point, the more planning you add to uh, your architecture, uh, the less uh, outcome or benefit it will give you. Because at some point, you just need to say, okay, guys, let's stop doing the planning. Let's start doing the work. Let's start doing some POCs here and there, do profiling, this kind of stuff. Especially that we have a cloud at our leisure. Because with the clouds, GCP, AWS, Azure, it's forgiving. You can spin up your workload. You can try it out. If it doesn't work for you, you can just tear it down. There is no need for a comprehensive end-to-end planning uh, that you have to do prior to that. Of course, some planning is needed, but there is a certain volume after which it could be too excessive, I would say. So uh, recommendation number one, at some points, just start doing the work. Cloud is forgiving. Do your experimentations. Do that. Second, when you think about your architecture of your solution that you're going to redesign, a lot of time companies tend to think, okay, let's just move it from point A to point B, or let's upgrade this particular component, which is the bottleneck. But in reality, it's an opportunity for the company to kind of start from scratch and rethink their workload and understand what is the requirements that are applicable not for now but for the future if right now your application is serving let's say 10,000 people but tomorrow you are shooting for 100 million you definitely have to think about it in advance 
And if you feel that this is a useful use case for you, and hopefully it is because you're in a good business, uh, then uh, you absolutely need to reconsider your technological stack and your approach uh, for that particular uh, setup that you don't even see right now, but hopefully you will see in the future. So that would be recommendation number two. Number two, yeah. and Ilya, go ahead, Nick. Yeah, Ilya, I was going to ask there, and, and you said it just at the end. The yeah, how do you plan for things you don't know, like those use cases where you think are just don't even come to mind? How do you make your technology um, assessment in those situations? Well, I would say unleash your imagination, right? Uh, understand the business problem you're trying to solve and think uh, what could be, and bring it to extreme, if you will. If right now you're working, let's say, in New York area, provide video streaming for specific types of the users, uh, do you think that tomorrow your company would grow to the extent that uh, you will be doing this across the country on uh, internationally. That will dictate the whole different setup and the whole different volumes. And you need to uh, choose the technology that would be able to support it in the first place. But if you think that you have a pretty niche business and you, let's say, work only in Redmond, right? And all your customers are local, that's a different story. Uh, and then you have to ask yourself, well, is it your business model? And if so, maybe that's not quite the case. So it, it depends, uh, Nicholas. I wish I had a more prescri prescriptive answer for you. So do I. Uh, it's, it's like um, when you create a software, when you write a code, you need to th think about edge cases. Same thing here. You need to look at the edge case and you need to think if the edge case could become an extreme. Mm. Makes sense? Absolutely. And like what my takeaway from that, Ilya, was, you know, to align with the the business strategy. Right. And I, and I think sometimes the temptation, particularly if it's IT leading in this type of initiative, might be to do it in a silo or in isolation from business leadership. Like what is the business strategy so you can explore those use cases? Like you said, is there a plan in the business maybe in five years time to be international? Right. I can't agree with you more, but then remember my recommendation number one, don't over plan because sometimes uh, organization could struggle to evaluate what is their long term roadmap and then they just frozen in the state of planning forever. Yeah, understood. Okay, so the first two we have don't over plan and then we have align with business strategy. Correct. The next one uh, on the same um, on the same pattern is what is your current SLAs and what should be your SLAs in the future? For example, SLAs uh, service level agreement. Um, for example, how available your application uh, must be? Can you avoid a downtime for 10 hours per month? 10 minutes per month, 10 seconds, depending on what the answer is, it will dictate what technology you should be using. Uh, sometimes I see a lot of customers who come to us and say like, we need to have a 
highly available application, like 99.99. That would require a lot of work, not super rocket science, but still vigorous thinking how to achieve that. But then in reality, it turns out they don't need that uh, much availability. They can afford to be down for a couple of hours with no issue. And the application that is available uh, 99.9 is much more expensive than the application which is available for only 99, right? Uh, so these are considerations business should also ask themselves and be honest with them. Because otherwise, yeah, I want like top notch, the best ever. And then, oops, I cannot afford it. <laughs> yeah, speaking of downtime, um, Nick, how much downtime do you have on a weekly basis? Like just not being productive, trying to manage you yeah. and like the thing cleaning up after you. Is that what you mean? That's what well, I mean. Like, it's do you... like a blockout, like you don't understand <laughs> <Yeah>. anything. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've spent most of my week doing that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 hard work, isn't it, Nick? <laughs> it is. Yeah, but to, to help you navigate the, the the obstacles and and valleys and troughs of life. Every night when I go to bed, and you know, I say a prayer, of course, before I go to bed. I usually my it's around Nicholas Kelly, just being so <laughs> appreciative for him to clean up my many messes. Um, so uh, Ilya, thank you for allowing us to pause that. Number three was SLAs. I can't wait for number four. Number four is align with the skill set. And that is a twofold thing. If you have already your workload and you have a team working on it, you need to consider will this team be capable of supporting you in your journey to move forward? If not, you have two options. Option number one, some compromises and maybe shift, shift to the technologies that might not be so optimal for, for the workload standpoint, but could be supported by your team. And it could be some uh, challenge for them, but not as much as um, some technologies that are, let's say, too modern for them to use. Think about it like this. You started with one technology, like a pure, rational database, right? And then you want to move directly to graph databases, which is a completely different story, right? That change could be uh, too much for the team who never worked with graph databases before. So you need to settle somewhere in the middle. Uh, and also your other option would be to consider hiring uh, new team members who could be experts in the new technologies that you plan to use. And by that, you will expand the uh, team knowledge in general, and you basically will be helping your current team members uh, to accelerate with onboarding to the new technologies. So that would be option number two. And, you know, Nick, something that we've talked about before is, you know, in terms of architecture is, is neural networks. Um, so I'm guessing if you're moving from like microservices to neural networks, that would probably be a big sea change. Wouldn't you think, Nick? Yeah, like um, you're talking about the Skynet. Yeah, Skynet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah obviously important consideration. And Ilya, hopefully you're not you're not part of the inception of the, the T-800 uh, that were that the documentary Terminator. Um, 
documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the future yeah. forward-facing documentary. Yeah, um, yeah. So hopefully, nothing you say here today is is planting the seeds for for any of that kind of carry on. Uh, for all we know, Ilya is part of the neural network. Exactly. Um, exactly. And then oh, I would also advocate that being said, <laughs> Ilya, I think we'd advocate for maybe a fifty percent SLA. Um, for these types of projects, in which case it gives the humans 50% of their time to be able to uh, combat Skynet. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or consider long vacations, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, that, that, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, since Ilya is part of uh, Skynet, I don't know how much uh, advice we want to take from him about how to manage Skynet. Something to consider. <laughs> Ilya. Ilya, uh, I, we got distracted by Nick. Um, we are, uh, we, so number one, don't over plan. Number two, you got to plan, align with the business strategy. Number three, oh, you can't see my fingers. Number three, SLAs, plan for the downtime, of which Nick never has downtime. Number four, align with skill sets. I can't wait for number five. Uh, number five is basically plan the transition because whenever you will be building a new system, you need to plan how the new and the old system will be operating during the same time frame. Also, uh, how you would transfer from one to another. Is it a cutoff? Do you have any kind of smooth transition? how that uh, would work has to be carefully planned because you don't want to be in a situation where something has been lost in the middle and you also don't want to be in a situation that team is just overburned by supporting two systems at a full scale and having issues on both sides and spring uh, and um, spread thin between two workloads all of a sudden while the team has a capacity only to manage one of them. Uh, of course, it depends from one workload to another and details are there. Um, well, you, you even uh, mentioned microservices. So if your application already is using microservices as a uh, concept, you should be considering things like canary deployments, this is the situation where you slowly putting components of the new system that work uh, in parallel to the old one, and you basically have ability to test your system in production, minimizing the impact if something goes sideways. If you see that your new container, your canary deployment is not ex working as expected, you can quickly shut it down, and then you'll have your uh, investigation of why this is happening as opposed to okay let's have a big bang and from today to tomorrow we just flip the switch and uh, now you will live with a new application on the top of that probably last comment from my side Finally. once i saw a pattern where the client is basically planning this big bang deployment with a flip of a switch but before that, they planned for some actual development work to kind of wire, our, uh, wire the new workload to the legacy systems. 
could not be worse situation ever because then you have a developers who are working let's say saturday evening to do all this wiring uh with a very tight timeline in a very stressful situation that is a setup for the failure so by all means try to avoid in your uh, project and deployment plans anything of that kind so um, Ilya, we we have a question in here from a viewer and i think we can fit it in just before we wrap up it's a question from john connor asking you as one of the architects of Skynet, how do you feel the transition uh, went between the T-800 model and the uh, T-1000 model, the, the liquid metal, um, you know, and how do you feel Skynet handled that? Would not be worse, because as you remember, the psychological profile is completely different, right? So uh, the transition was not so smooth. Mm. Was that because they did a big bang transition or do you like did they not have the proper like uh, uh change management involved for that transition from the 800s to the 1000s that's exactly you should have put them in the same classroom for like 10 years or something so they have a shared vision uh -huh. and same values if you will so after that you can safely deprecate one model and go forward with another one yeah, I think the deprecation was the problem there, right? And yeah, that's it, it, good. Yeah, and appreciate that. Appreciate the insight. <laughs> that was that was really good. Um, we have one other question um, that just came in, um, and uh, they asked to be anonymous, so I'll respect that. Um, the question is, um, when will you have a show that highlights the top twelve hundred ways that Ethan is a better host than Nick? That's... Oh, that's a tough sell. You know, the, I hope we have to do it in prime time, right? Yeah, absolutely, prime time. Yeah. It should be like a filibuster. Yeah. Ilya, do you want to get us started on that list? Uh, I hope you two guys have similar cups with the faces of each other. Is that true? <laughs> Nick? Okay. I was hoping that some of you forgot the cup, so I can corner this person and say that he was not well prepared. <laughs> We're always ready. Always ready for you, William. <laughs> so, um, no, I failed, Ethan. <laughs> all right, let me just uh, repeat uh, the next five before Nick, uh, Nick closes us out. And uh, correct me if I get any of these wrong. I took notes. Um, number one, don't overplan. Number two, align with business strategy. Number three, figure out the SLAs, things such as downtime. Number four, align with the skill sets that you have or you will need. And number five, there we go, it's in the screen. Number five, work out the transition plan. Awesome. Yeah, sounds good. Elia, thank you so much for joining us for another riveting episode of Between Two Consultants, where we learned a little bit more about Skynet and some of the architect's plans behind it. Thank you for joining everyone. I'm Nicholas Kelly. And I'm Ethan Silvers. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye guys. You've been listening to Logic 2020's Between Two Consultants. 
If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe so you can get each episode delivered directly to your favorite podcast app. To learn more, visit our website at logic2020.com. You can also find us, Nicholas Kelly and Ethan Silvers, on LinkedIn. So give us a follow. See you next time.